Welcome to episode 46 of the Aquarius Podcast, sponsored by Owaza. I'm your host, Randy Reed. If you tuned into episode 45 with Caitlin LeClerc, you got to hear all about her awesome origin story and also more about Owaza as a company and a few of the products in their lineup. This week, I'm going to share more about my experience with the Biomaster 350 and Biomaster 600 Thermo. These units do everything you want a canister filter to do and more. From the Easy Prime system, inflow outflow lockout, which keeps you from accidentally making a giant mess during servicing, to the innovative pre filter sponge system, these Biomasters are sure to be a long standing fixture in my fish room. So let's take a second to go back and talk more about the pre filter sponge system. As the incoming aquarium water makes its way into the canister filter, and before it hits the main media, it passes through stacked circular sponges. Why is that a good feature? Well, this entire pre-filter assembly is easily removed from the canister filter, giving you the ability to do canister filter maintenance without taking out the entire system. If you've ever run a canister filter, you know the downside is the ease of maintenance. Awaza to the rescue. A simple removal, rinse, and reassembly of the pre-filter sponges, and you are back in business. The other great thing, the sponges come in different porosities from 30 ppi, 45 ppi, all the way up to 60 ppi. And if carbon is your thing, they offer a set of carbon pre-filter sponges too. So. Check out the Biomaster line for yourself and use one of the links in the show notes. Now, on to the interview. Today's date is Tuesday, January 15th, 2019. My guest today is Bruno Magerly, owner of Pond Pros in Egg Harbor Township, New Jersey. Bruno's responsible for amazing pond and water features with over 15 years experience. Needless to say, he's going to drop some serious knowledge on me today and school this complete newbie on pond and outdoor water features. So Bruno, welcome to the podcast. Uh, thank you for having me. No, absolutely. And, you know, Bruno, we, we've spent some time now talking in kind of the pre-interview section of the show. And, I mean, there's so many cool things that we can talk about that are related to ponds, but are just about kind of what you have going on in your life. And one of those is that uh, you've had lunch speaking German with Heiko Blair. Yes, yes, I have. Yes, he's he is one of my idols. I mean, it's uh, ever since I'm I'm just about to turn fifty, and uh, for as long as I can remember, I've been in the fish. I ran the uh, the aquarium in grade school. That's where it all started for me. I just I was hooked. Uh, my teacher wanted somebody to take care of the fish, and uh, that's what I did. I couldn't wait to add in fish every time, clean it every day, and uh, you know every year. As uh, as I grew up, I had to have a, an aquarium in our uh, school. I also had them at home. And uh, as I uh, would learn more about it, I would pick up these books. And one of my favorite authors was Heiko Blair. And uh, it just went on, never even thinking much of it. But uh, as I got older, I had the opportunity to meet Heiko Blair. And uh, it would be like a... Uh, uh, another person maybe meeting a rock star or someone meeting the Pope or, or the president. And to me, that was just uh, someone I always wanted to meet in my life just because he's so uh, educated and something I love. And, uh, and it was great. And uh, I still get to communicate with Heiko on a regular basis. And um, I would say if anyone ever has the opportunity to, and you, and you can, he's, he's got some great uh, Facebook pages. He's very um, active on um I will mention those in a second once I uh, think of the name of them. But they're they're all about biotope or natural aquariums, and that's uh, going to kind of lead into what we do with ponds as well. And that's why we do ecosystem ponds. We do everything natural. 
we work with Mother Nature instead of uh, trying to fight it. Yeah, know? and I wanted to I wanted to lead with that that you've had lunch with Heiko Blair and um, you know you're in communication with him because for me like I always like to think of how my audience perceives the guests that I bring on and the content that I want to present. And for somebody to see maybe in this title, we're going to talk about ponds, right? And this is an indoor aquarium podcast, if you will, very niche of a niche, if you will, in the hobby. But the fact that the guy that I've brought on in you, you know, has some serious street cred in that, you know, somebody that you've talked with, had lunch with, or in communication with is Heiko Blair. Like that is super cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I am definitely, I am honored to know somebody and he's such a he's just a such a down-to-earth guy like I said that I could just sit and have lunch with him and just talk about fish and 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 you know what if you if it, if someone listening doesn't know who Heiko Blair is um, check him out on Facebook it's H-E-I-K-O B-L-E-H-E-R Heiko Blair and he's just he's phenomenal he's a world traveler he's discovered uh, plants fish um, and it, at 70 years old, he is still hitting the Amazon two, three, four times a year. India, the Amazon, China, discovering new species and, and, and doing what he can to promote the hobby and, uh, you know, and, and keep biotopes or natural aquariums uh, in the forefront. Wow, that's so cool. He, he's definitely someone, uh, if you don't know who he is, look into him and he's just fascinating. And, he's, and his books are just fascinating as well. And, so. and potentially your relationship is going to go beyond just kind of having a lunch with him, um, seeing him at, at some conventions. Um, you, you're actually trying to get in the works of doing a, a family expedition with Heiko Blair. Absolutely. Yes, and I'm glad you said family. That is definitely something that uh, – I, I mean I could just hop on a plane and uh, go with him and just be me. But I, I have my two daughters who are uh, – they're about to be – my one daughter's about to turn 11. The other one's about to turn 14. And my wife, uh, we love going on family vacations, but we love this – the whole nature thing and going out and trying new things. We go camping. We go – but to go to the Amazon and to, to, to travel with Heiko on an expedition with my family is – I mean it's just a once-in-a-lifetime experience and maybe even – uh, discover new fish. I mean, it's very possible. I had a friend that went on one of his expeditions um, who discovered a new fish. I mean, it's a, it was a new rainbow fish. Uh, I mean, how amazing is that? You know, it's a, how many people have a fish? But um, it, it's definitely something I am looking forward to in the near future. Hopefully in the next year or two, I'll be joining him on one of his expeditions. Wow, that and, is so uh, cool. Yeah, yeah, really looking forward to that. Really, really excited about that. You know, and uh, I'm glad I'm able to share that with my family. And that's it's all about younger kids, whether it's building ponds, uh, doing aquariums, uh, whatever it is. I love to share that with younger people. I mean, it's because that's that's the new generation coming up. You know, a lot of these kids are just looking into these uh, boxes and iPads and and phones now and everything else. And you know, you know where they see this natural stuff? They see it on their iPad. I mean, it, once they get out there and experience it. I mean, they'll, they'll think twice about picking up the iPad, you know, and that's that's what we as, I mean, I'm old, I'm 50, you know what I mean? I'm, but the older generation need to educate younger people on, you know, keeping an ecosystem and, and going out and seeing nature and, and seeing how uh, these things actually naturally develop, you know? Yeah, so, I, I completely agree with you on that point. And, you know, I know we always like to point and kind of prod the younger generation, but honestly, I feel like, 
you know, and this is completely digressing, but uh, I feel like the older generation too, though, like we need, they also need to snap and wake up because I drive by a sure. bus stop. I drive, you know, you walk through the mall and there's as many people of, from an older generation, from your generation and maybe even older that have their head down looking at their phone just as much as younger Absolutely. kids. And sometimes it's 100%. like the younger kids, the younger kids are more engaged with each other than, than, you know, a, a couple in their sixties. It's uh sure. yeah, I, I digress, but everybody, uh, everybody and, and especially the kids though. Cause I think to your point though, and, and what I always like to talk about is in order for the hobby to continue to grow, um, you know, it's not necessarily more people that are in an older generation. It's this younger generation that we need to ensure knows about nature and keeping aquariums and ponds and all of these awesome things that, uh, you know, benefit us, uh, benefit kind of the soul and the, in, in our mental state, right? Having these pieces of nature, um, they're calming. Uh, there's something that we can focus our energies into aside from just, you know, Fortnite or whatever the, the popular video game is yeah. these kids are playing these days. Yeah, I completely agree. I completely agree. So, and also in talking in our pre-interview section, I know that you have saltwater aquariums in your house. Um, I'd like to talk about that a little bit. But if you go on an expedition with Heiko Blair, I mean, these are going to be freshwater fish. So are you going to set up a freshwater tank? Do you do you plan on, you know, like in reserve? I feel like you've got to have at least one or two reserve tanks if you guys collect really, really cool fish out in the wild that you'd want to bring them back home. Have you, have you guys thought about that? Yeah, I don't think uh, you do need permits to bring things back. And uh, he does, so he would actually be responsible for anything like that. But on the other hand, we are currently, uh, although like you mentioned, I do have uh, two saltwater aquariums uh, set up at my house. Um, but uh, we are in the process of setting up a freshwater ecosystem tank, which is just a, a natural aquarium with live plants. And a, a true biotope ecosystem is actually set up to mimic nature. So if you, a good looking biotope may, when you look at it may not be pretty, but it, uh, it mimics what it would look like in a river or in a, an area in naturally where those fish come from. So it'll have, you know, fish that match the area, plants that match the area, lighting that is whatever that area may be. Then that may cause it to be, um, uh, a little cloudy, or if you have natural driftwood in there, it may bring in those tannins. But uh, that's what the biotopes aquariums are, and that's will be our next project um, at my house. So, what kind of thought have you guys put into that so far? As far as the size of the tank, like wh where do you want this slice of nature to come from? Is it going to be South American? Is it going to be African South Reef Lake? Well, we've definitely uh, probably going to stick with the. Um, South American, okay. Uh, although African uh, cichlids would definitely be uh, something I'd consider. Um, I just uh, love some of the natural biotopes. If you check them out on, it's just Biotope Aquarium is a Facebook page. Uh, for anybody listening, just uh, check that out and sign up for that, and you will see some amazing work by people. And um, you know, Heiko's definitely got some of his on there. His personal favorites and then some of his uh, own aquariums that are um, that are on there but you, you can see the detail it's like you're looking into a, a, a river somewhere in South America or somewhere in India you know depending on the application on how you have it set up and then but, um, and then as far as like where this thing's going to go in your house so I know that you've got the two saltwater tanks that are in your daughter's rooms which is Yep. amazing in and of itself that, uh, you know, you as the father, it's like, you know what, my girls love these fish tanks. I'm going to put one in each of their rooms, which is absolutely amazing. Where would this biotope tank go? 
Uh, that'll probably be in our, or right now we're finishing our basement, so that's our plan is to set it up there. But if not, it'll probably be in our living room. One thing I did when uh, we built our home, we were lucky enough to uh, build our home from scratch. And when we, uh, when we built it, we actually ran plumbing through the walls um, while they were, I mean, before the, when it was a stud, we, uh, we added two-inch pipe going to the bedrooms and uh, there's actually access from the basement to the first floor and uh, we can just uh, run our sumps down the basement and run our pumps down the basement, our skimmers. All, all my filtration for my uh, uh, daughters, um, they each have a 150-gallon tank in their bedrooms and each one of those is plumbed into the basement and then it just runs back upstairs. But everything is done. I can even drip my fish and everything in the basement before I this way there's no spills in the bedrooms. Um, it's nice and quiet. Just hear the nice flow of the water um, and all the maintenance just performed downstairs. And the same thing if I do any other part of the house, pretty much. I can run um, just my plumbing down to the basement where it's nice and easy to service. I just look at it, no matter if it's a pond uh, or an aquarium, the easier something is to do, the more likely you are to do it. I've always kind of lived by that. And uh, that's why I try to make things easy to do, make your water changes easy to do. Um, pre, you know, think ahead, you know. So since I can service and both of my saltwater tanks, um, uh, the the pro to having them like plumb together, which I do, is that it's easy to just do one water change and be done both aquariums, you know. So mm -hmm. yeah, and, and and same thing. I will uh, I'll, I'll have to do a separate sump, but I'll uh, I'll plumb everything to my. Uh, I actually have a room with a sink and a drain and everything, where we. Uh, where I'll run the plumbing for a freshwater tank uh, when we're ready for that endeavor, which should be before the end of this year. Man, I, I hope that uh, in the coming future that with my, my first son, uh, he's two years old, and then we've actually got a second on the way, which uh, due date here is in April, so I'll have I'll have two boys, and I, I hope in the coming years, uh, thank you, I hope that'll be one of my challenges of both of these little goobers want fish tanks in their room, and I have to figure out you know things like that, because I, I feel like from the hobbyist standpoint, I've done a great job of not of, of immersing them in it, but not pushing them over the top, you know, with, with dad's obsessive compulsive, you know, hobby and, and fish nerdiness. So, uh, congrats to you, Bruno, that, you know, you've been able to raise your daughters to the point where it, it sounds like they, you know, they're, they're, especially your older daughter are just so immersed in it and have such a strong passion for the hobby that, you know, that's, you almost, you, you deserve a gold star just for that. <laughs> so. Yeah, well, getting them started young into it, like I said, that's uh, like I uh, started the conversation. I, I started when I was young, and it's almost like a hook, you know. So uh, I was hooked, and so are my daughters. And because they're hooked, uh, just a little uh, little tip there that you get them that excited about it, um, you know, and naming their fish, and you know, that's say this is yours. My daughters clean their own tanks, and you know, when it comes to the glass, if I got to get in there and move something out of the way or something when they're small, you know, you got to help them out, but. Both of my daughters pretty much take care of the tanks in their rooms themselves. I still do the water changes and things, but um, you know it's nice to that they can actually take that responsibility and say, "Hey, the glass is getting dirty. I need to get in there and clean it out," and they're able to do that, or they need to move something around. So uh, they're they're taking care of it pretty much themselves uh, when it comes to the actual aquarium. So it teaches them a little responsibility as well as you know moving forward. So and they're very excited. You know we've already we've <laughs> uh, getting back to Ico we've actually taken his uh, book, Heiko's book, and we're now planning this biotope aquarium together. They're very excited about that, looking at the different fish, and, you know, uh, Heiko's books are great because they, not only does it tell you the fish, it tells you compatible fish, it tells you what region they come from, what plants, so it's easy to set up the biotope aquarium, 
using his uh, his book. So um, that's that's how I've got my daughters involved with that now. They're actually using his book as a reference to uh, help us all decide on how we're going to set it up. That that's awesome, man. So before before we pivot and start talking about Pawn Pros, I just want to say I need to stay in contact with you. So from a parenting perspective, I'm going to hit you up every once in a while and be like, Bruno, am I am I doing this right? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> All right, so so let's talk let's talk palm pros. Um, so you know you had this this desire to keep fish, and you know you were the kid in in each of your classes that was maintaining the fish tanks. You had this strong passion. So how do we then fast forward, and how does palm pros start, and how do you like fully immerse yourself from a career perspective in you know in fish and in water? Uh, all right, well, so uh, as I grew older, I uh, ended up uh, working for a local fish store uh, in my neighborhood because um, I was really into it, and then that developed into buying the fish store. So I owned a fish store in Philadelphia, and uh, from there, uh, that moved on to uh, service. We started doing service out of the store, aquarium service, um, which to this day we still do aquarium service. Unfortunately, we only do... Um, commercial, unless uh, any of the listeners have a business in the Philadelphia or South Jersey area, we still do uh, commercial aquarium service. Uh, we've gotten out of the homeowner side of it. Um, and uh, back in, I can even tell you right when it was, 1988, um, I uh, started getting um, brochures from companies about puns. And I said, let me try, I want to get a crack at putting it in ecosystem pond, which is, um, we'll, we'll go into what that is. There's uh, just five parts to an ecosystem pond, but like a natural pond, it's easy to maintain. And um, uh, my father became uh, the guinea pig for my first pond. And to this day, what year are we in? 2019, that pond's still running. <laughs> that pond's still up and running and doing great. Oh, very cool. So can you kind of describe like what that process was to put that first pond in and uh, maybe some of the details like uh, for size perspective, how big is that? Is that kind of a typically average size pond and what were your lessons learned from putting that in? Sure. Yeah, that was the first one, which, you know, anybody who's listening who's ever put in a pond or an aquarium and either does it for a living or has gone through the years, you look at that first one and go, what was I thinking? But that one actually wasn't that bad. I, I give myself props that it's still running. We've made a few adjustments to it. But overall, that same process I did in 1988 is still the same process that we do now. Um, our ecosystem ponds that we put in are made up of five parts. There's your filter system, like your skimmers, your intake bay, the water goes in, and the plumbing sends it up to either a, uh, a biological filter like a falls, biofalls, or even a wetland filter in larger applications. Um, and uh, the second process, uh, part of the five um, parts is the flow. So that's going to be your pump. Uh, in, in recent years, uh, we've been using a lot of jets. Jets will give you a lot of circulation on the bottom to kick it up any kind of waste that may go down that the skimmer doesn't get immediately, the jets will pick it up. It'll also aerate the water, and it'll also give uh, some current to the fish in the pond. Um, the third part of our ecosystem pond is the stone. Um, we don't have any bare liner in our ponds. Um, we always have boulders. We always have uh, gravel on the bottom. It's a huge controversy. It's probably the biggest controversy when it comes to the pond industry. Um, but um, that's for a different radio show. No, <laughs> because that that could fill an hour itself. Um, but there's people that will argue either way. Um, we, 
we've been doing it that way for that long. Um, there's pros and cons to everything. No matter what you do, if somebody can find a reason to do something and to not do it. Uh, it's worked well for us and for many, many, many other pond builders uh, around the world. You know, and um, if you think about it, in an aquarium, well, what do we have? We have gravel. I mean, it's it's just part of. You're not going to go to a river or a lake or a pond anywhere. It's going to have a bare bottom. You know, it's just part of the ecosystem. It gives bacteria a place to grow. That you find bacteria. So that's why. All, not to mention that it protects the liner and anything else that's you know inside the pond. Um, and then the, the last or the fourth part of our five-part ecosystem is plants. A lot of people skip that part. Can't miss those plants. You got to put, you know, whether they're floating plants, submersible plants, marginal plants. Just around the outside, we combine everything. We'll put lilies in there. We put floating plants. We put, uh, you know, cattails or not really cattails usually because they're invasive, but other plants around the margin of the pond. And then last but not least, the one everybody loves the most is the fish in a pond. You know, the life in the pond. Um, with those five components together. Um, it's like pieces of a puzzle. You have those five, and they, and correctly, of course. You know, if you put those five pieces, a lot of people say, well, it doesn't work if you have gravel in there, or it doesn't work if you have, um, you know, if you do the system. It's probably because their flow is too low. It's probably because their filter is too small. They have too many fish. They don't have enough plants. That's a common one. But if you have those five pieces of that pie, perfectly, it'll be uh, an amazing pond. It'll stay clear. It'll be healthy. Your water levels will be managed by water levels. I mean, like your fish or, or your pH and your your nitrate, and, you know, different um, factors that go into water chemistry. Will all be a balance? And uh, does it require some maintenance? Sure, you got to clean your skimmer around, you got to clean your uh, intake bay, of course, your debris, which is going to break down and, and cause an imbalance. Um, periodically, you need to change some water or, or even do a complete change. We like to do spring cleaning. Some people do it every year. Some do it every two or three years. Depends on the load of your pond. Depends what's inside there. Um, but that's the systems we install. We stay away from the mechanical filters, the pool filters. I say leave the pool filters on the pools. Um, but, uh, again, once it gets to filtration and gravel, there's lots of debates when it comes to the ponds. I'm doing what works for us um, for so many years. I mean, it's, uh, you know, if... If it ain't broke, don't fix it. We stick with this. In 1988, we started a 20-step process to installing ponds. We do the exact – if your pond is 8 by 11 or your pond is uh, 80 by 120, it doesn't matter. We do the same exact 20-step process. Not only is that a good, smart business move because it helps us to budget and to uh, estimate time better, but it's the same thing. If you, if you cut pieces out of that – process or you just try doing it in different ways, you're going to make mistakes. If we do the same 20-step process, no matter what size the pond is, no matter who's working with me, we know exactly what we're going to do next. It's the same 20 steps. So it doesn't matter if it's small or big. Yeah, so on the note of the ecosystem, I mean, you know, how, for the for the listeners, how I met you, Bruno, was through Aquatic Experience. That was in Secaucus, New Jersey. Um, you know, I was making my rounds, and you happened to be, you know, one of the, the people standing around this beautiful indoor, well, the 
the water feature that you guys basically built just for the convention, um, which watching you guys take it down, man, that that looked like a lot of work. I was glad I wasn't a part of your camp because that was a, <laughs> you guys brought a lot of stuff in. I, I'm, I'm, you had like mountains of dirt, right, <laughs> that I think had to be taken out. Um, so nonetheless, you and I, we started talking, and I think we probably talked for a good 30 to 45 minutes, it seemed like, and it was almost like a podcast episode in and of itself, but it was just a very fun, natural conversation getting to, to meet you and talk about some of the ponds elements and one of my one of my initial thoughts before I talked to you was man I bet these pond guys they probably just set up ponds all the time that are super sterile maybe they have plants water features and that's it like there's no ecosystem there's no fish and talking with you in in hearing your passion for no 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 like my thing is no it needs to be an ecosystem like fish are a component of it plants are absolutely a component of it and so that's when, you know, for me, it's like, oh, man, that's super awesome. Like, I'm a, I'm a pond newbie. Like, hopefully one day I will have a pond and it'll be super cool. But, uh, you know, not knowing and never really doing any research, like, you just don't know what to expect. But to hear somebody that has 15 years of experience and, you know, your cornerstone in your process is this kind of five, you know, five-part ecosystem that you've done since 1988 um, is really cool. And to hear that, you know, yeah, it's, it's just as important in an aquarium as it is in a pond. Uh, absolutely yeah yeah it's just pretty much the same thing so you're just doing it inside you're doing it outside and so a lot of the listeners probably have an idea of, uh, of aquariums so to put it in an aquarium perspective if you are trying to keep your aquarium balanced and you keep trying to add products to balance your aquarium uh, you know, just my experience from people, you know, do-it-yourselfers from being in the retail side of it, they were some of the most frustrated customers, the ones who tried to have that perfect balance and try to use chemicals to compete at, with algae, to try to use chemicals to keep their pH up, to try to use it. You know, to, you're, you're battling it, and that's why we say work with Mother Nature, not against her, with, with an ecosystem pond, because your pH will stay balanced, your your uh, algae will stay um, in check where it needs to be. Um, are you going to have a, a, a sterile pond? Like like a it's not a pool. It's a pond. You know, go to any natural pond and you'll see some algae in there. Algae is a plant. I mean, it's just part of the ecosystem. It's actually something that you kind of want some in there. So, do we want to be overrun with it? No. And that's there's ways to do that. Put in other plants to compete with the algae for the nutrients in the pond. That's probably your number one way of doing that. So, you know, that's in the same respect to an aquarium, that's how an ecosystem pond works, is instead of trying to fight something that's going to uh, uh, get out of control, just try to balance it. If you have that right balance, everything will work out and it'll be easy to do. Remember, we got back to that, you know, if something's easy to do, you're more likely to do it. Same thing. If it's, if it's a balanced pond, it's taking care of itself. One thing is taking care of the other. You know, it's a cycle. It's that whole, uh, you know, the nitrogen cycle. So, um, if 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 everything's in balance, it's it's enjoyable. It's easy to take care of, and um, you'll get a lot more out of it. You know, so and isn't that what we all want? You know, what I mean, that's why we do it. We're not doing this to survive. We're doing it for for enjoyment. You know, we we like the sights, we like the sounds, we like the smell, whatever it is, from the aquarium or pond. I mean, you can relate that to both. I mean, we're doing it to enjoy it, not not to have it be work, you know. So, 
Yeah, very cool. So now let's, I, I, I want to stay on the business topic, but I kind of want to pivot on the question. So I'm very curious to know what is, and especially in your particular area, so you're in New Jersey, um, I'm in the Pacific Northwest, I've been a, you know, a West Coast boy my whole life, so I'm not used to the winters that you guys have. What is your, what is your annual business cycle look like, maybe on a quarterly basis? Um, so right now it's, you know, third week, what are we, third week of January? January. Yeah, third yeah. week, barely third week of January. I, I'm pretty sure that it's just like a, a, a white tundra where you are right now. Like there's probably yeah, snow pretty much. Well, we just got a little <laughs> snow and we're expecting some more this weekend. So, so, uh, so what is Palm Pros like? What are you guys doing right now? Um, and, and kind of walk me through like what does the year look like for you as far as you know, kind of the business activities that um, you know pick up and then you know drop off and then the next thing picks up in a different part of the year. Sure. So um, the way right now, of course, like you said, it's our slow time. So we'll start with January, going to January, February, even the beginning of March. Um, we are actually hard at work, even though it's not outside moving boulders or uh, cleaning out a pond or fixing a pond, which we still do. I was just uh, doing a de-icer for someone the other day. We're still making some service calls, but it's mostly office. Right now I'm sitting in my conference room. I'm looking at a whiteboard of a list of things that need to be done before the season starts. Uh, here in the Northeast and areas where it gets colder, our season is usually, I'd say, late March, early April, um, and then it gets slammed busy through, like we're working seven days through June probably, where it starts to balance. So what we do is, um, so January, February, March, we work on our business. That's what we say. We work on our business instead of in our business. So by doing that, we're putting together our new brochures. Uh, we're sending flyers out for people to sign up to have uh, their spring cleanings done. We are um, working on installs. And after our – so our spring cleaning season runs um, late March, April, May, and then we usually – we try to be done all our spring cleanings by uh, our goal is Memorial Day. Um, and then after that, we start getting into building ponds. We'll still build in um, spring if, uh, if, if need be, but we try to start going into summertime. Uh, so that's when our build season, and that goes through uh, June, July, August, and into the beginning of September, um, where we start uh, working on uh, prepping our ponds for winter. So we have our fall um, pre preparation for our ponds, uh, we offer different um, uh, options for our customers. Now, just on a side note, we're what's called a CAC, and a CAC is a Certified Aquascapes Contractor. Um, and what that is, it's, we're, we're in a group, and the group was originated by a company called Aquascapes, one of the biggest pond builders, probably if not the biggest pond company in the world. And... Uh, you go through a certification process. It's part online, part hands-on, um, and you have to just pretty much prove yourself that you know what you're doing, you follow the process, and it all comes down, and a lot of it is customer service as well. So we're really checked on our customer service. So our group expands worldwide. I mean, all over the different continents, mostly in the United States, but uh, it, it does definitely go worldwide. And we can rely on each other for information, um, but we all know we do pretty much the same thing. We, we go through the same process, like I'm explaining to you, different seasons, um, all the guys around me are going through the same thing. So they're, they're prepping now for spring and then going into summer, then going into fall, and then uh, starting it all over again in the wintertime. Um, 
but so that's uh, we are we're, we're certified contractors, um, and uh, we uh, we pretty much go into fall, and uh, that's where we we close our uh, ponds with nets and um, uh, put in deicers. And uh, the last thing is a winter prep where we go out and we'll take out check valves and uh, um, take down the nets. A lot of people have us take down those leaf nets, um, get rid of the leaves that are around there. These are all just different um, options that we offer, and uh, that's why I went off on a CAC thing. The CACs, anybody who's listening, I mean, you have people from all over the country. You can go to the network, which is just go to Aquascape Inc., Dot com and you can look for a CAC and you'll find one of us you know because if people are listening that are in California or Texas or Florida or Iowa and they say well that's great but you're not doing me any good in New Jersey you can go to that network and find people that do the exact same thing that I'm talking about that offer these services maybe in a little bit of a different way you know some people may not offer a winter service or something but you know we pretty much all do the same thing people can reach out and find someone to help with their pond you know um, the good thing about hiring someone like us is that um, you just get to sit back and enjoy your pond we offer everything from helping you out to coming out and doing a hundred percent of the work we have uh, maintenance customers all they want to do is throw some pellets in there and feed their fish and do nothing else and that's fine if that's what you want to do and other people want to interact with it and just want us to come out and do anything from give them advice to do just a spring cleaning or maybe just net the pond and they'll do spring cleaning. So, you know, it's really a la carte. They can pretty much choose whatever they want um, from our services, but we try to do everything we can uh, no matter what your pond is, even if it's not an you know, ecosystem pond. Some people do have the other filters. You know, we work with them. We give advice, you know, maybe try to make it better, but uh, whatever we need to do to help keep your fish healthy and keep your pond healthy, you know, we can uh, we can help you out. And like I said, the CAC network is great because anybody, pretty much anybody that's listening to this podcast can uh, find a CAC near them because there's so many of us. Yeah, definitely. We'll make sure that we've got uh, notes for that in the, uh, in the show notes section so people can just click on that link. Um, and I'm actually going to write that down right now so I don't forget. So the CAC network link. And let's let's see if we can't make this a clean segue. So you're talking about the CAC network, that there's um, Aquascape certified contractors all across the country. Um, and, and you and I were talking about there's a very specific activity happening right now in Florida, correct, that you're going to help uh, partake in? Yes. Yeah, well, it's a perfect example of, uh, of being a CAC. Like I said, we, we start with um, online. Like if I – right now we're hiring new guys. So the first thing they have to do is complete our online training. That online training is provided by Aquascape. It's uh, just an online uh, uh, course that they take. And um, that goes on to what's called the Aquascape Academy, which is at their location in Chicago. You go actually learn hands-on training as well as uh, what we train here. But then there's um, larger events, like the one we're about to attend, um, being uh, CACs in uh, Florida. And these are – well, this one happens to be in Florida. Um, I have another one coming up uh, in New Jersey. We have – and we go to these events, and it's A, to learn, to learn new techniques, to um, to further our learning in, in – because you're constantly learning. When you stop – it's simple. I don't know if you ever heard the term. When you stop learning, you stop earning. So if, if you just stop, you, you're never going to make it in business. But you have to continue to learn. 
And to grow your business, you, you just have to learn new techniques, ways to save time, ways to um, offer new things to your clients, and uh, that's what we do. And by working together with other CACs, which is this, um, what we're about to do is uh, go to a place called Camp Kennett, and it's in Florida, and it's a uh, reptile refuge, and it's run by a guy called uh, Kenan Harkin, and he uh, is a former BMX uh, professional BMX rider, and um, he pretty much uh, I'm just heavy into BMX when I was a kid. That's what I did. So I know him from being he was one of I'm not sure if he was the first or one of the first to perfect backwards 360 <laughs> when I came to BMX, but. Um, that's, uh, that's what he was known for, and he has now taken his fame. He's, he's now a TV announcer and stuff like that. But he's opened his sanctuary in Florida for reptiles, and um, it's called Camp Kennan. You can go on to YouTube and check out all his videos. And uh, Camp Kennan, um, a lot of, he, he'll take in a lot of reptiles that people either can't keep or um, they do. Uh, it's like a sanctuary for reptiles. But we are going there to build a large, large, large uh, recreation pond, they call it, um, big enough pretty much for you to jump into, and that's why they call them recreation ponds. So we're going to learn some new techniques on bog filtration, on wetland filtration, um, at least I am from some of the other CACs that will be there, um, and um, we are going to uh, probably put everything on YouTube too, so check out the Camp Kennan YouTube site, you can see everything on there. Um, I did forget to mention that too, that Pond Bros uh, has a YouTube channel that will probably be, uh, I'm perfecting my uh, filming techniques now, so we'll, uh, we should be up in, uh, by, by February, I should be getting my uh, videos on there on a regular basis too. So, oh, awesome. But, uh, do you, on YouTube. So. Is, do you have your, uh, your page set up so I can link it in the show notes? I do. Awesome. And I will get you a link to that. And it's, just, it's Pond Pros, and it's on YouTube. All right. We'll and, make sure and but that's but that's just another way that we train. And if you know people say, "Ah, you're just going to hang out with a bunch," yeah, but you know, iron sharpens iron. You know what I mean? So it's by me going to a guy from Texas and a guy from California. There's guys there coming from Illinois, and they've done this before. But I've never and I've never been to an event. And I go to two or three a year of these events where I have not walked away and said, "Ah, oh, man, I can't believe it." It might be the simplest little technique. But if it saves me some time on a job or it's a new tool that I've never seen before, this is stuff. And sometimes I'll go to an event and talk to somebody about something, and the guy says, oh, man, I've never heard of that before. And I think it's the simplest little thing that I've been doing for years, but you know, I, I'm helping someone else out. You know, And that's, that's the way we look at it as business. And some of these guys in these CAC programs – they're in the same neighborhoods, you know. Who would ever think that, like, in, as a business person, you would try to help out another guy that was your competition? Um, there, where I am, it's just in my very local area. I really don't have any other CACs, but um, I would welcome anyone. You know, I, I, if there was anybody else around, I would work together with them instead of against them. Because when we work together, we grow our industry instead of trying to. When people compete. Um, they just they cheapen industry and they cheapen things by trying to get a better price and trying to hook a customer. I mean, you know, if, if you work together in an industry, you'll only make your industry and your your work stronger. Yeah, you know. Yeah, Bruno, so, I'm, a, I'm a broken record on that topic, man. I'm all about growing the. Uh, I'm all about growing. Sure, the pie, collaborating. Man. You know. <laughs> so 
So, I mean, could you imagine, you know, you don't want to compete with other guys uh, that do podcasts. You, you learn from each other, you know, you try to try to uh, uh, help each other, you know, and that's that's what we do as, as CAC. So I'm um, definitely looking forward to that. And if you want to actually see me and see what goes on and what CACs do, you can actually even see it now. There's some videos on the Camp Kennan website and uh, even Aquascapes has uh, – uh, I mean YouTube on Camp Kennan's YouTube page, Aquascape's YouTube page, and coming soon, Converse. Yeah, awesome. Page. Yeah, I definitely look forward to seeing what you put out, Bruno. And you know, you're getting you're getting some global fame right now. I mean, there's definitely a lot of the most of the listeners are in the country, but we have a global audience for this podcast. And I hope um, everybody subscribes to your channel and looks forward to the really really cool content that you're going to have coming out. Um, and I guess and I will say, yeah, I am from New Jersey, but. I will go anywhere to build a pond. <laughs> so, uh, so anywhere uh, around the globe, you know, if you're in, uh, if you're in the United States or in Europe, South America, wherever you are, uh, I'd be happy to go there. So, uh, and you know, we, we do that. We're as a group, you know, a bunch of my buddies are now in Tennessee working on one pond uh, with a guy. I got a guy coming from New Hampshire to help me with a pond here in New Jersey in a couple of months. So, uh, it, it works that we we all work together. And uh, but I'd be happy to. Uh, help anybody with a, a pond anywhere nice. you know so let, let's wrap it up with one more bit of schooling so you dropped um the term bog uh bog filtration or a bog pond what what exactly makes something a bog pond or a bog water feature well uh we'll do upflow box and by that i mean um i mean bog filtration is nothing new that's been you know that goes way back into the hieroglyphics times you know what i mean uh, it's pretty much filtration that's natural and by natural filtration you're using plants to filter your ecosystem and the plants roots will use the nutrients in the pond and that's those nutrients are uh, in a closed pond like we would have, that would be leftover fish food, that would be fish waste, that would be debris such as leaves and things that are falling down that break down. Anything that could cause uh, the nutrient level in the pond to rise, which would throw off your balance, is now taken by the plant roots. And by forcing that water, taking the water and forcing it through the plant's roots, we do what's called an upflow bug. A lot of times people did regular some bogs were put in where the water flows down through the roots of the uh, uh, plants. And the downside we found to doing that years ago is that by the water flowing down, you're taking the nutrients down, and that's drawing the roots down. So now in two, three, four years of a healthy bog, if you need to clean it or yeah, somehow get to your, your roots are going to be so deep. They're just going to go straight down. So what we found is to change it, have the water come up. So now we route our water. So just picture a waterfall, and that waterfall has a large area. Usually in our wetlands, which is what we call them now, we, uh, we do about a third, quarter to a third of the pond size, depending on if you plan on having lots of fish, I'll do a, a third of the pond. So if you have a pond that's 10 foot wide by 30 foot long, your bog should be 10 by 10 you know, a third um, of the uh, pond size. So that water is now forced up through gravel, which the plants are embedded in, and those roots that are in the plants are absorbing the nutrients. But now the water is coming up and overflowing back into the pond. And uh, even though the roots are absorbing uh, the nutrients, they don't grow down. They're growing across. They're still going down somewhat to keep the plant upright. 
but for the most part, they stay at a higher level, which makes it easier to maintain. A lot of times, you have to thin the plants out because they do so well, so you have to remove some. Well, if your plant, your plant roots are going straight down, where those things hard to get out, you know. But um, that's pretty much the idea of a plant uh, of a bog or a wetland filter, which is what we call it now. Um, it's just natural filtration. It's just uh, using your plants to filter the water, <laughs> which. In my opinion, we'll, I'll take that over any pool filter or exterior filter any day. I mean, it's just a, it's a natural thing. It's it's um it's just uh it's doing the job the way nature has intended it to be. Yeah, you I mean, in, in my fish room, you know, every every single one of the tanks has uh, the aquatic plants, so mosses, um, Java ferns. But uh, I'm in the process of so it's still a relatively new fish room, um, but getting a few different varieties of pothos going in each of the tanks as well. So the dream is, you know, to have basically each of the three racks would have kind of one mother plant of pothos, and it would just snake around and and have roots in every single one of those plants so to just be an absolute you know nitrate sponge if you will um, perfect yeah yeah so no definitely i'm definitely on board with that and uh yeah and, and and love to hear just how you know as we talk about it as you think about it it's like well yeah no duh that makes sense that you what you'd want to have in the aquarium you'd want to have in the pond but i think until you actually dive into the topic and talk about it you just you just don't think about it and you don't necessarily um connect that yeah the two are just basically kind of the same thing just on different scales and one's outdoor one's indoor there's some some different challenges um but the principles are still the same there yeah yeah it's it's exactly right i mean like you said a few other challenges you can't control the light outside you know so you're competing with uh you know the sun obviously inside you don't have you're controlling the light source but on, on the other hand, it's just a matter of adding more plants, you know. So you, you have the natural sunlight for your plants that you don't have in an aquarium. So, you know, you, you just got to look at, um, you know, keep it simple. Uh, don't overthink it. And uh, just make sure you have it set up initially the right way. You know, a lot of times people will put together ponds and then they call us and say, I can't keep it clear. And I get out there and they have this little tiny filter on it or they just don't have it done right from the start. We end up redoing it for them correctly and they're very happy with it. So just keep it simple. Reach out to people who are familiar with it. See the work that they do, you know. And, uh, you know, we have a Facebook page. Pond Pros has a Facebook page. It's just Pond Pros. And, uh you know, pondprosnj.com is our website. There'll be links there to our Facebook page and see how we do it. And by all means, reach out to us on Facebook or give us a call or whatever it takes. I'm always willing to help somebody out over the phone. You know, as you can probably tell, I like babbling. <laughs> no, <laughs> so that makes, that hopefully makes, that hopefully makes... I've uh, not taken too much of your uh, podcast time, but, uh, you know, I'm hoping I helped somebody with some information at least. No, um, not if I didn't, I'll, I'd be happy to try. No, Bruno. I think you've done. A, I think you've done an excellent job. Um, babbling, as you call it, is is gold, man. That's what I. That's what I look for. Is when my guest babbles. That means that uh, that's an easier job for me. I just get to kick back and enjoy um, and learn and just hear all the cool anecdotes and knowledge and experiences that my guest has. And you know, you are I, you are chocked full of it. And then, you know, like I said in the beginning, I thought this was going to be just a very like I knew I knew that you knew your stuff, right? But I didn't know that you had this passion for the ecosystem. Like I knew you appreciated the ecosystem, but to hear your passion for it, to hear the Heiko Blair connection, to hear just how how in love your your family is with aquatic life and aquariums and nature, um, and just, you know, the potential for an expedition with you and your family down to South America oh, yeah. is just freaking awesome, And like man. I said, anybody, Heiko's always looking for people to go. So, 
uh, you know, check out Heiko Blair on uh, Facebook. Uh, I believe uh, Aqua Press is where you can find him online. And uh, sign up for an expedition. If you if you have the time and the means to do that, they're usually one-week or ten-day expeditions. You know, you jump on these little puddle jumpers, the one that we'll uh, probably be going with them that we've already discussed uh, with him in Colombia. There's uh, The only access to the rivers we'll be going to is four-wheel drive and then hiking. I mean, wow. you have to hike for a full day just to get to where you're going. And then you sleep in hammocks in little screen nets. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it's, you got to, you only live once, you know what I mean? Give, get out there, do it, live it, and share it. That's the most important thing is to share it with the other generations and, and, you know, let people know, you know, we got to keep this thing going. You know? Yeah, I completely agree. Well, Bruno, thank you so much, man. You are, you're an absolute uh, awesome person. I'm so glad that you had a chance to come on and talk with me and sacrifice some time. Um, so thank you very much again on behalf of my audience, and I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Anytime.